0: The Lodge, by Robert McMinn. Chapter 13 Spring came, and with it a pick-up in bookings. Starting at Easter, the rental cottage, the stables, started to be booked almost solid, right up to the end of the summer. Mrs Moffat announced that we needed an extra pair of hands, and recommended we take on her niece, who had lost her retail job when the company went out of business. She, the niece was quite well-educated, so I didn't expect she'd want the job for long. Still, if it got us through the summer, I'd be happy. As it turned out, we did offer some creative opportunities for a young and ambitious person. The retreat side of things had a lot of scope, and Abby, the niece, was keen to introduce some new ideas. It picked up more slowly than the stables, but the retreat business began to bloom by the end of April. We had had four batches of guests by then, And ridiculous as it seems, the 12 people who had been through our doors had all referred at least one other person, in addition to those who were attracted by the professional-looking website. Glowing reviews were beginning to appear and our initial investment in fixtures and furniture was beginning to pay off. That first January, when Grace submitted her accounts and self-assessment tax papers, the final tax bill had been quite low. But it really began to look as if the following year would be a blockbuster. Abby was keen to develop the idea of themed weeks. We've already discussed how I was less keen on the idea of hosting talent such as tutors or coaches, but she believed we could do say a writer's week without needing a tutor. Just providing facilities and service for authors who were on a deadline might work. On top of that she had the idea for the yoga week and a nature watch week, to coincide with the television broadcasts such as Spring Watch and Autumn Watch. Grace was delighted to have someone around with such energy, and Abby really became almost a surrogate daughter to her. I could tell Grace was really happy having a young person around the house again. Me too, I should add, but as always I was blending in with the background, though perhaps not that gothic wallpaper, doing my own thing. The Grace and Abby show was fun to be around especially when Grace made Abby slow down and moderate her accent. But then there came the day when Abby came down from cleaning the bedrooms and walked into the kitchen where Grace and Mrs Moffat were going over menus and said, ''I can't work here anymore.'' Mrs Moffat asked her what was up. Abby just shook her head, mutely, and refused to answer. Eventually she was persuaded to sit down and given a cup of tea, She was visibly shaking at first, but a chocolate biscuit or two seemed to help, and eventually she was able to speak. "'I was just coming out of the third bedroom,' she said, "'and was about to come downstairs, but I just got a feeling something was behind me. "'So I turned to look down the corridor, and there was someone standing there.' Neither Grace nor Mrs Moffat were quite prepared for that, and so there was a stunned silence. Eventually, Grace gathered herself and said, So are you saying that there is someone in the house, there? No, yes, I mean, not actually. I saw a person and I called out, shock-like, and then I shouted at them, Who are you? What are you doing in there? But they just faded out, disappeared like it had been a projection. Grace said to me later that she felt that all-too-familiar whole-body chill at this point but she tried not to show anything to Abby, instead sitting down at the table with her and asking her to describe the person she saw. He just looked like a blog in a suit, a tweed jacket with a cardigan underneath. He was wearing a tie, and he looked like he was carrying a stick, or it could have been a shotgun. I did think it was a shotgun at first, and I was afraid it was someone coming from outside with a gun. You got a good look at him then, said Mrs Moffat. I felt like everything was in slow motion. Young, old, middle-aged, asked Grace. I don't know. White hair, but a young face, I don't know. And then it just disappeared, you say? Like someone turned a dimmer switch. At this point, Grace called me into the kitchen. I saw Abby sitting there with half a cup of tea in front of her, looking a bit shaky. And I asked what was wrong. But all Grace said at that point was... Will you go and have a look around upstairs, please? Or where upstairs? All of it. I was a little worried myself about this, since the night early on, with the loud furniture moving, or whatever it was, I'd been thinking of getting hold of a baseball bat or something. I hadn't acted on this, however, so all I had was my spare maglite, one of the larger models you might use as a night watchman. So I grabbed that and went out into the hallway. Grace followed me. I'll wait at the bottom of the stairs, she said, and I'll listen out. I frowned at her and went up. I realised later she wanted to wait at the bottom of the stairs to ensure that nobody who had successfully avoided me upstairs could sneak down while I was on the upper floor. I started at the top of the staircase and I checked each room to both right and left as I went down the corridor. The alternative would have been to go round the rooms clockwise or anti-clockwise, but I thought that would give the intruder an intruder, too much time to jump across the corridor into a room I'd already checked. There were four bedrooms in total on this floor and three bathrooms. One of the bedrooms was my studio and was kept locked. This might seem odd to you, but I'd been in the habit of doing that. Early in our marriage, Grace had been doing some frantic spring cleaning and had thrown something away that I was in the middle of using. she had long ago learnt to turn a blind eye to all my painting stuff. And as I said before, I made an effort to keep the workplace neat and tidy. But moving into this new place, I'd been concerned that Mrs Moffat might make a similar mistake. I tell you all this because I confess now that I didn't open the studio on that day because I didn't have the key with me and I've assumed ever since that if there were an intruder, they wouldn't have been able to get in there anyway. All of which leaves a tiny sliver of doubt, as I'm sure you'll understand. I checked all the rooms on that floor, our floor, as we called it. Then I climbed the second staircase to the retreat floor, the old servant's floor, and I checked each room up there. We had equipped four of the bedrooms with identical bedroom furniture, There was also a bathroom there and we'd added an extra shower room with a toilet. The last room was the one with the loft hatch. Spoiler alert, I did not see the person Abby had claimed to see. But there was something. I went into the hatch room. But as my hand turned the knob, I hesitated, as I usually did. The fact was, this room did creep me out a bit and I was always a bit reluctant to go in, but it was empty, and for good measure I checked the hidey hole, empty. I then stepped out of the room and closed the door behind me. At that moment, the air temperature around me dropped off a cliff. If you like, it was the opposite of the warm, loving glow I'd previously experienced in the art room. It was so cold I could see my breath. I took two steps, and the temperature was back to normal took two steps back and it was freezing cold again. I called to Grace. When she got to the top of the stairs, she could see me at the end of the corridor. She reached for the light switch and turned it on, but as had happened before, only one of the two lights came on. The one nearest me was blown again. Grace came down the corridor. I was stepped two paces away from the cold spot. As Grace reached me, I stopped her, then whispered that she should take two more steps. She did, and as soon as she had done so, she jumped back with a look of terror on her face. You felt it then? Yes, what is it? Cold spot. I stepped into it again, but it was gone. I experimented a few more times, but it seemed to be gone for good. It was then when Grace pointed to the other door. What's that? We both froze. What I'm about to describe will seem hard to believe. At the end of the corridor, after this last bedroom doorway, the hatch room, there had been what appeared to be a plain end wall. There was even a small painting of a flower hanging there, wooden skirting at the bottom, then some wood panelling up to a dado rail, and then some brown patterned wallpaper up to the ceiling. A wall, as I said, to match the walls in the rest of the corridor. Only now, we could see that it was ajar by a couple of centimetres, and level with the dado rail, there was a door latch visible. The terror that ran through me is indescribable. It was as if all the blood in my body had retreated. As I said above I was almost getting used to this feeling which was way too common for comfort. What we were looking at was a hidden door, cleverly constructed so as to be invisible to the naked eye when closed. It had been completely flushed to the surface of the wall and cleverly decorated so as to blend in. It turned out that part of the dado rail could be pushed forward in order to release the door catch. I stepped forward, turning on my torch as I did so. How the fuck did we not know about this, I said. Neither of us could remember anything like it in the particulars of the house we were given, but both of us later confessed that we hadn't spent any time looking over the floor plans. I pulled the door fully open and shone the torch inside. Grace pulled me back. Tom, I'm scared, she said. It's okay, I think I said. I think it's just a servant's back staircase, and look there was a light switch on the other side of the door. I flipped it, and the light above us in the corridor came on, as did a light part way down the spiral staircase that was now clearly visible. You ain't here, I said. Don't let the door close behind me. I took the stairs slowly. they spiraled down, then reached a landing. There were more steps going down, but there was also another door, presumably on our floor, where our bedrooms were. I opened it, and there was the familiar corridor, with the much wider staircase at the end. I continued down the spiral stairs, emerging from yet another hidden door at the back end of the kitchen. Mrs Moffat and Abby, who had just about recovered from her scare, now jumped out of their skins. I apologised tried to placate them as best I could, but in a hurry to let Grace know I was down. I went out into the main part of the house and called up to her. I'm downstairs, you can come down now. She arrived quickly, looking a bit white around the gills, and we both went back into the kitchen to calm Mrs Moffat and Abby down, but both of them fluttering their hands in front of their chests in fright. Hidden doors, will I never, Mrs Moffat kept saying. And all the while I was wondering, Why hadn't we known those doors were there? And how had the one at the top of the house been left open? Later I went to examine the door. When it was closed, you could tell it was there if you knew to look. But otherwise, as I said, invisible to the casual naked eye. I took a good look at the mechanism. It didn't seem weak or worn in any way. I've known doors with a similar latch eventually stop working properly so that you only ever had to push the door to open it. But this one still latched properly, and the only way to get it open was to press on that part of the dado rail that released it. On the inside was a more conventional handle. It was all very clever, and it now occurred to me that this back staircase could act as a fire escape in case of dire emergency, and that we ought to bring it to the attention of our guests. But the other question it raised was this. If Abby had indeed seen someone at the end of the corridor, had they been using this door to come and go? Or was the cold spot encountered by Grace and me something to do with it? And certainly it seemed to be the case that a lot of activity centered around that end room. The next stage was to do some proper investigating. We also had to persuade Abby not to quit. She went home that day, determined to work a week's notice. I told her that of course we'd respect her decision, but that we had really been looking forward to working with her on implementing some of her ideas, and that I hoped she'd reconsider. She came back the next day and announced that she would stay on, but made noises about not being sure about ghosts, and also insisting that she would not, under any circumstances, use the secret back staircase... We agreed that she wouldn't have to, but reminded her that in case of a fire, it might be a good escape route. When we were alone, Grace said to me, Well, you charmed her into not quitting. Well done. I didn't go as far as suggesting ghost hunting weeks to her themed ideas, I said with a smile. Grace shuddered. Can you imagine the crackpots we'd get if we did that? she said. I can indeed, I said. I've been reading the reviews of some of these ghost hunting apps.